This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Podcast wherever you get your pods. This is Fanatic About the Playoffs from the 76ers Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings and 97.5 The Fanatic, with new episodes premiering the day after every 76ers playoff game. This is the Fanatic About the Playoff podcast, and on this episode, we recap round two, game six, a 104-99 win for the 76ers over the Atlanta Hawks, and now look ahead to game seven, Sunday at the center against the Atlanta Hawks. Yes. What is Fanatic About the Playoffs? It is our postseason podcast series with us here at the 76ers. And our pals at 97.5 The Fanatic. New episodes drop the day after every Sixers playoff game. I am Brian Seltzer. It is great to be rejoined by two of the hardest working people covering and bringing you content surrounding the Philadelphia 76ers. One, 76ers team reporter Lauren Rosen. The other, Tyrone Johnson. You hear him on the Tyrone Johnson Show. Weekends, 97.5 The Fanatic. Also, weekdays with Mike Missanelli, and you see him on Sixers Outsiders on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Guys, let's start with a straw poll. Lauren, you can go first. Game seven. Did we think we would be here? At the beginning of the series, I did think that the Sixers might have made quicker work of the team. And I think when we look back on the series, regardless of how game seven goes, there will be a lot of moments of like, oof. Could have ended the series there, could have ended the series there, could have ended the series there. But the bottom line is, is none of those things happened. And now they have the opportunity to do it in one of the most exciting ways possible, a game seven. Uh, at for home. me, it's been a roller coaster. Um, I thought they should have won it in five. I kind of still do think they should have won it in five. Then once they lost game five in the two big leads, honestly, I thought they were going to lose game six. I, I didn't think they would be able to recover from being completely honest. But I'm very thankful that they did. And now I feel a lot better about their chances because I can look at this series sort of in totality. And in total minutes, they've been the better team through six games. It just happens to be their bad moments have been a little bit worse than the Hawks' bad moments. But their good moments have been much, much better than the Hawks' good moments. So I do feel pretty good going into Game 7. But I am shocked that they were able to mentally get themselves together after the debacle, unfortunately, that was the 26-point lead going away in Game 5. So... Uh, tough. They showed some mental toughness yesterday, led by uh, one particular person who I know we're going to talk about. We will get to him in just a second. Um, on the holistic, big 30,000-foot view, I do agree when I hear Doc talk about this sometimes, when he references that this is a young team. I know they're not, like, young, young, but for guys like Ben and Joe, Joe particularly looking at this, like, right, they'd never been in a spot where, hey, it was rolling, you know, they were up, to one and that you know all that stuff and they really had to summon up something to find a way to revive themselves and they did that I thought collectively they had to and they did that in game six I've always felt and I know that the three of us are in agreement on this and I I, I bet that probably just about anyone you would ask whether they follow the 76ers or not would be in agreement with this too the Sixers are the superior team they didn't execute they did not have it together in the way things went down in those back-to-back losses in games four and game five. So the mere fact that they won didn't surprise me, and I was impressed they were able to rally together on the road. Game got off to a hairy start, but they settled themselves down and got the job done. And now when you look at it in a vacuum, game seven, it's just a game. Again, for me, I think the Sixers are superior talent, 
and it's going to be at the center. So I look at those factors, and I'm like, okay, I do like the circumstances. If you had to pick circumstances, those are circumstances that I would select for this situation. Yeah, I, I agree, agree with, with you. That. No, so yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Like game seven, your home floor. I think your team is better. Uh, I I think that they've done a good job also now, multiple games in a row, limiting Trey Young's effectiveness compared to his volume. So last night, 34 points, but 30 shots. Um, I think if that happens again in a game seven, the Sixers win this game. So there's a lot of things pointing in the direction, I think, logically to the Sixers being in a really good spot. If you're in, if people that are into gambling, I know they're seven point favorites. If, if that's a thing for you, I think there's a lot of things pointing in their direction going into a game seven, despite the fact that we've all probably been bruised a little bit throughout this series with what has happened up until this point, if we're being honest, I think. I know that Joel Embiid is excited about a game seven. And to me, that's, that's meaningful. After the game last night, when Joel was asked about his performance, he said he has to be better and he knows that he will be better in a game seven in front of the home court. Like he immediately pivoted to what's going on on Sunday, how he imagines it's going to be, and what he's going to bring to the table. And I'm a big accountability fan. Joel, of course, eight of the team's 11 turnovers in game six and still managed to get it done. It wasn't his best night. He admitted that. We haven't seen an excellent Joel the way we became accustomed to yet in this series. And if there's ever a moment to do it, it's going to be in this game seven. And he's already, as soon as as soon as the final buzzer in game six went off, he was priming himself for that opportunity. And I really look forward to seeing how he's going to embrace it. I think, of course, game seven against Toronto w- was big, but Joel and Jimmy Butler were sort of sharing the spotlight in that series. This, I think, is the biggest career, the biggest game of Joel Embiid's career thus far, and I don't think it's close. There will be some defining potential for some of these guys up to this point in terms of what happens in Game 7 for sure. Um, We're going to all take a seat in the taxi in just a moment, but to double back, tie on something that you said, you know, Trey, if you just looked at his line on the surface, there would be some things, obviously, that, that jump out at you. Um, one, to speak to the point that you made about volume, five for 10, if he's taking 10 threes based on game logs and percentages, I'm not expecting him to hit 50% of those the next game out. That would buck trends. I also thought that some of his quick decision making with his shot selection and other things down the stretch, like that's where it, the Hawks, to me, it got away from them. I mean, they were hanging around, hanging around. The Sixers, they were finally able to get some separation late because it, it seemed to me like whether he heat-checked himself too much or tried to rush things, um, For I, I thought as well as he played at times, some of his decision-making down the stretch um, put the Hawks in a disadvantageous spot. Yeah, for sure. Um, he, they're so reliant on him, so reliant on him. And they got one game that, if you look at recent history with Lou Williams, Looks like a fluke, that game five performance, just that he hasn't played that well in years. And he had this great half all of a sudden. But outside of of that one little spurt, he's everything as far as their creation goes. And I think sometimes he doesn't trust his teammates enough at times. And listen, he's had tons of success. He was second in the NBA in assists this year. But I do think that um, that caught up to him a little bit in the end of game six. Yeah, I agree. When I looked down at the final box score and saw 13 for 30, it didn't really feel like what I had just watched. I thought that he had actually had a stronger performance than that line would suggest. And then the second thing that I was 
not excited about, but but interested by was that lineup that excluded both Ben and Matisse that closed down the second quarter. Um, it was Tyrese, Seth, Furkan, Tobias, and Joel. And to me, there's not someone in that lineup that screams guarding Trey Young, slowing down Trey Young. The way, credit to Matisse and Ben, they have done so far in this series pretty well. And when that lineup was able to keep that that lead at four for the Hawks, they were able to keep this team in the game with Trey Young playing well without someone that screams, I am Trey Young's defender. I thought things were going to go okay for this team based on the fact that that lineup was able to have success. And then that lineup ended up continuing to have success or lineups, again, excluding Ben and Matisse had success against a guy that's pretty dang good um, in the second half. So to me, that was something to watch. That was something that that intrigued me about what could happen in game seven. And then I know we're, we're sort of dancing around Tyrese in this whole thing, but the defense that he showed he could play against Trey Young was pretty, pretty awesome at times. Without further ado, we know you all do your lifts and your Ubers these days, but it's time to do things the old-fashioned way. Get your fares ready, and we're going to hop aboard the taxi. X-Factor. Hard not to love Tyrese. <laughs> I mean, the way he plays, Lauren, the enthusiasm, uh, just got, I don't want to say um, naive, but uh, he's just kind of got this like good, wholesome thing about him right now. T- you know, talking about talk- when he speaks to his mom and the influence of his dad. It's just like the whole thing. Uh, he's a great basketball player. For me, first and foremost, that's what dictates. But everything about him, he's got a real energy and great spirit, and clearly his performance was excellent, and he came in at the very precise point where the Sixers could have either gone one way or another. Well, I feel like, Celts, every time we've talked about Tyrese all season long, it's been in this context. He spends some time on the bench, maybe even is out of the rotation, and then he comes in and he does something big, and he did it all season long, and he got better all season long. And it's because basketball really is this kid's life. He's, in the, he's probably in the gym right now. He said as soon as he got back – Tomorrow's going to be the same thing. He's going to go in. He's going to get early work in. It's just he – it's his life. And he's done such a good job of setting up this regimen for himself that clearly works, that keeps him ready, that keeps him growing. And he's done it all season long. And I'm not surprised anymore when he does it, but I continue to be incredibly impressed by what he's been able to do, by the cool head that he keeps in these huge situations. I mean, we keep saying it. That was probably the biggest moment of Tyrese Maxey's career. And we keep adding to that list. And of course here, definitely the the trump card thus far of this game six where he really did help the Sixers, if not propel the Sixers to extend their season. And I'm with you, Celts. Just the the smiling, the energy that he brings, the joy that he brings, the way that he speaks about his preparation and how much he prides himself in preparation. And then, of course, the idea that he had 24 hours in Atlanta. And I'm going to let I'm going to read Tyrese's words instead of paraphrase. But he spent those 24 hours by doing the following. Got some pasta, called my mom, went to sleep, wake up, go to the gym and get ready to go. And then 16 points, seven rebounds, a steal and a block. To me, that is just a great 24 hours for anybody, um, but really does exemplify. I believe him. I believe that that's exactly what he did, um, and I just think that that's beautiful. It's been a pleasure to watch uh, Tyrese in his rookie season, and I don't even know if that covers it. A pleasure to watch feels like light, you know? Yeah, uh, a tremendous spirit. Um, on the basketball side, I think that it makes it's another thing that actually makes you feel good about Game 7 as well. Once Hunter was out, and Sixers lose Danny Green. But once Hunter's out, there's one-plus defender on the Hawks roster, and that's Capella trying to deal with Embiid. And no one on the perimeter is a plus defender. 
And when he comes into the game, it's a very big pressure moment as far as the spot that he's in. But he's going against better defenders than the Hawks can throw at him throughout the regular season at times. Uh, when he played, had to play against that Denver team when there was like six guys and it was just him out there. Like he's had to play against other plus defenders. Tougher, I'm saying just it, it seems like he's a kid that thinks basketball is basketball. At least that's how he seems like his approach is, is like basketball is basketball. Once he's out there and if he doesn't have those nerves, the Hawks do not have as tough a challenge as he's seen, maybe even at Kentucky at times, because Trey Young, if we're talking about on the defensive end, when he's guarding them, no, just no shot of staying in front of him. Lou Williams and different guys that they try to do it. He's just flat better than them as far as his offense versus their defense. And I think that that's something that he recognized and took advantage of. So the mental side, I give him a lot of credit for. I had faith in the basketball part because the Hawks don't really have an answer for him. And I don't think they're going to have an answer for him in game seven either, unless they find a player who's currently not on their roster and sign them. I just don't think there's an answer there. And I think that he, at some point early, recognized, you know what? This is just basketball, and I'm better than these guys, and I'm going to go show it. Ty, Lauren brought up the defense. Um, Trey Young at 94-93, that was just an incredible three-pointer. But I honestly thought that was some of the better defense I've seen from Tyrese. Like, shake his hand. Uh, Unfortunate, Trey's an excellent player, and he can make some crazy shots. But I I thought his defense – on that play, you know, and I'm sure that the doc and the staff did this. I would have been, I would have been pumping him up for that defense, and I'd be showing him that clip, despite the fact that it went in. For sure, for 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 sure. I, I thought, and Lauren brought the, did bring up the defense, and I think that was something that maybe the, another thing maybe Doc Rivers ends up finding in a game six that could carry over. Like I can trust Maxie to stay in front of him. Trey's going to do what he does, but if if I have to do it, he has the ability to do so. I think that's huge. Well, the speed thing is interesting to me. Sorry, Celtics, I just want to add one more thing. Um, I spoke to my grandmother in California after the game. She's become a Sixers fan this week. She's watched three Sixers games, the most recent three. Mm-hmm. And her big takeaway was, man, that Trey Young is just so fast. Good thing Tyrese Maxey is also fast. And I think she sees them as like, okay, they're two young guys. They both had good games last night. She sees them as like, like for like. And I don't know that we're there yet. But just to hear her talk about the fact that Trey is so fast. And so is Tyrese. I, I thought was really interesting having just spoken to Doc Rivers, who said the exact same thing. So maybe my grandma is really onto something. But it was such a pleasure to like hear her find this joy in watching the two of them go back and forth and seeing them as equals because she hasn't been watching basketball forever. I thought that was really interesting. We got to have her do the advanced scout for Game Seven. Send the maybe. notes through. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Um, there's another guy we definitely need to discuss, and we will do that after I tell you how you might be able to win 10 G's. DraftKings Sportsbook. They are the official betting partner of your 76ers. They're going to have free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 in cash prizes. That sounds outstanding. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code SIXERS when you sign up to get your free shot at up to 10000 bucks in cash prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Outstanding. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That promo code, once again, SIXERS. Easy to remember, easy to do, an easy way to try and win $10,000 
in very nice cash. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. you got to be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, continuing the conversation, guys. They said it. For us as a team to come out here, you saw the fight and the grit of a whole group that wanted to win and wanted to pick the next guy up. No doubt Tyrese was X-Factor number one. I'm not sure if, based on past performance, we can label Tobias necessarily as an X-Factor. I think he has set a standard for himself that clearly he expects, but I thought he got back to it in Game 6. The Sixers needed him at some very key points. He came up with big baskets, finished with 24 to tie Seth for the game high, and it was nice to see Tobias respond in that way. Agreed. I Look, here's the thing about Tobias. He's been so reliable all season long, and it's, it was such a shame to see him struggle the way that he did in Game 5 because, like Tyrese, he puts in so much preparation. He continues to have a cool head. He rises to the occasion. He's done so all season. So to me, seeing him have a tough Game 5, I wasn't worried about his ability to produce in Game 6, but I thought it was interesting, Ty, when we opened up, you talked about the mental toughness that the team showed. And for me with Tobias in game six, it was all about mental toughness because Tobias knows he's so intelligent. He knows what people are saying about him. He knows what people are saying about his teammates, his coach and his team. And he really clearly did come into this one and say, you know what? And his first couple of shots didn't fall. He got into foul trouble and he kept going. He stayed confident with himself. He found what he needed later in the game. And I know based on the sort of um, fabric of this team and where everybody fits in, but the way Tobias's mind is working is important for the rest of the group. So to see him show that toughness and that determination, not surprised again, but really impressed that he was able to do that in this particular situation. I think he was, he was really important in a lot of ways that we could see and a lot of ways that we couldn't see. You completely agree with that. And I think that what was, to me, what made it so impressive was I look at it as sort of he had six bad quarters in a row and then turn around because I think it was the fourth quarter of game four where that was the unfortunate lead where uh, he didn't score in that quarter. Then obviously game five as a game, we all agree that was a struggle for him. And then, as you mentioned, he misses the first couple of shots. And then he has two fouls in the first quarter of game six. So it's like the one quarter, the one game, four quarters, and then another quarter to start the next game. This is one of those things where, um, maybe the old Tobias, the, the couple years ago, the Toronto, the one that played against Toronto, the last time there was a game seven, maybe he can't recover in game that way and turn it around. This one was able to completely just shove that away. And he came back right at the start of the second quarter. Doc waited longer to bring Ben Simmons back. And immediately when he got in the game, he started to get into the paint. And I think that was big in the game. And it's really turned around. So a lot of credit for him because that was a tough moment. I think another a weaker mental player, maybe packs it in and says, you know what, this just isn't my time. He went the opposite way, helped him a lot, and I think he's in a really good space now, both physically and mentally, for Game 7. A couple other things to highlight quickly before we get some final thoughts before Game 7. Joel Embiid, it's really hard for me guys right now to, to evaluate Joe, um, given what's going on with his right knee, and who knows, who knows? It's just, it's hard. Um, I, I can't imagine what it must be like for him to just get the work with treatment and put in all the extra stuff with that and then go out there and try to compete at the level that he expects of himself. Um, 
one thing to me that has swung certain parts of the series is which team has been more aggressive on the offensive glass. We certainly saw that in Atlanta's first comeback in Game 4. Sixers finished plus 6 on the offensive glass. Joel Embiid had 7 offensive rebounds, which is a really good number for him. And he had some timely putbacks late. And uh, I think it's encouraging, Ty, that regardless of what Joel might be able to or not able to do with his movement right now because of the knee, if he can give you effort plays like that, and especially at a time of the game where possessions are pivotal, which it was in the fourth quarter, that's going to go a long ways, and it's certainly taking advantage of things that Joel can do, perhaps that's maybe a little bit more manageable depending on when and how he uses his knee. Yeah, I I agree with that. And um, Really physical game yesterday, too, and he was able to fight through it. Um, I'm still trying to figure out how that was a foul call on him when Collins headlocked him on that on that dunk. I don't know how it was a foul on him. He gets him in a headlock and dunks, and they called it on Embiid. And we know later on when they call the offensive foul, and then Collins kicks him when he's on the ground. Um, physical thing. And Capella, the one thing he does really well, I think that is an effort thing. I think Trey Young creates a lot, but he's a very good rebounder. Embiid being able to match him on the glass yesterday, to me, is a big moment is a big thing going forward because then you really neutralize what Capella does because he's not a player you can throw it to in the post. We know what he doesn't do. Rebounding sort of his thing and catching alley-oops. Like, that's kind of his whole game. By taking away half of that, just gigantic, especially on the one leg. And I think that him strategically working the refs, I think he might may end up getting fined. Who knows? Because he talked about the refs after the game right away. And I think that was on purpose. If he gets some calls – in that game seven, in addition to the rebounding, maybe some of those putbacks are and ones instead of just two points, and then who knows? So I think it was really important. Joel is a really smart guy, and he understands how this series has gone thus far in terms of what he can control, what he can't control, where the team has been, where his health has been, home, road. He considers all of it, and I love watching Joel Embiid's brain work. And I do think we, we talked about it at the top. He's, he's ready for this game seven. He is going to do everything he can given the knee situation. I'm with you, Seltz. It's really hard to know how to evaluate what he's been able to do, but let's just assume that he's struggling out there because he said he is. And doc rivers has said that it's been hard for him to play through the pain that he's dealing with considering. I think that it's been really impressive and I'm looking forward to just seeing him in this game seven opportunity. Think about how much that game seven in Toronto stung for Joel Embiid who wasn't, at peak health in that game seven either but he remembers it he hasn't forgotten about it and now it's time to get a second chance at home against a team that he knows these Sixers are better than against Toronto it was a more even matchup Joel Embiid knows that he's the leader of the better team and they're going to a one game situation at home I think game six obviously was massive it extended the season but this game seven I honestly feel more confidence about As for Game 7. The Adjustment. What version of the 76ers do we need to see? Ty, we can start with you in Game 7. Things in these final hours to clean up, adapt, tweak, modify? You know, um, I hate to go back to the nightmare that was Game 5, but give me the first half of Game 5. And then don't turn the ball over in the third quarter like they did, which I think was the beginning of sort of the end. Right there, that's the game plan. I mean, the same kind of early game plan that they had in game five that got them that big lead and just sustain it on the offensive. And more importantly to me, the defensive end, that that was the thing that was uh, kind of, and I think Maxie may end up solving that. So maybe a little bit more Maxie sprinkled in 
to game five. And who knows? Maybe that is the answer. I think that there is, believe it or not, some good things to take from that game five. The last time they were at home, they just couldn't finish. Take that and give that for 48 minutes. And it's there. And it, on defensively, I think this has been Simmons' chance to shine. Obviously, we haven't talked about him much, but the people have been frustrated with him. The fans, I did a show earlier today, they, the fans are frustrated with him right now for whatever reason. It's his chance right here to really have that moment because no one will care what he did in games one through six if he has huge defensive moments that they can see at home in game seven down the stretch. And I think this is a big opportunity for him to kind of win back the hearts of people who are a little bit upset with him right now. It's interesting because to me, this game seven sort of feels like when you study for a test for a long time and then you go in and and you know what material you know really well and you know what material you're not as sure about, but at least you know what's going to be asked on the test, right? Like, you know what the questions are going to be and it's just a matter of how you utilize the knowledge that you've built while you've been studying. So to me, we know that there are going to be some limitations, whether it's because of health or lineups or confidence. This team has had some roadblocks in this series, but they know what they are, right? So if it's been really excelling on defense and letting the crowd see that and embrace him for that, that's a win. That's how you get points on this test. Joel, if it's winning the mental game because your physical game isn't exactly where you want it to be, that's points on this test. Embracing one another, listening to your veterans, using more Tyrese. Again, like all of these things are adding up to extra points on the final exam. And I think that this Sixers team has learned a lot. You said it just now, Ty. They're not, to me, going to find themselves in the same situation they were in in game five because now they know how badly it hurts to end up in that situation. So I agree. Come out strong. Show what you've learned. Don't let up. But they remain the better team. And we've said it before every game. So I think there's a lot of reasons for the Sixers, for the Sixers fans, to feel enthusiastic about what's coming on Sunday. You know what, Lauren, I'm going to build on that test-taking analogy for a second. I'm going to say that there were situations, maybe it was an SAT, something like that, I'm trying to remember, where you study and you study. You take your practice test, you do it over, you see all the same type of questions. Then you're suddenly like, you know, it's 2 or 3 in the morning, the day of the test, and you say, wait a minute, there's literally not anything more that I can do (laughs) because I've reviewed all this stuff, I know exactly what's coming, I just got to go take the test. I'm going to be loose, I'm going to be free. Part of me wonders if whichever team can master that loose, free mindset uh, can play within itself the most if we're looking at intangible stuff for Game 7. Uh, but to bring it back, Ty, to what you were talking about with Ben Wright, we haven't talked about him yet. I think, I can't remember if it was on Mike's show earlier this week or maybe it was Devon. Um, I was driving around and I heard a caller talk about Ben Simmons at the start of games. And Lauren and I have talked about this before. We focus a lot on closers, sometimes especially the way that Ben seems to be at his most successful. I like to look at starters. When Ben starts in that mindset that we all know that Ben is in when he's at his best, I think really good things happen for the Sixers, and it opens things up right away. So I'm not even talking about third quarter, fourth quarter, scenario, time score, whatever, what the rotations look like. We know Ben's going to be out there to start the game, and I just want to see Ben right off the bat get to it um, and if that's the only thing that happens on the offensive end where he opens things up for other guys, gets himself into a rhythm and a groove, we know he's going to lock it down defensively. No issues with that. Um, I think the Sixers will be in a good spot. That's all. Yeah, I, I, tests, yeah, no, tests. I, I, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's a good point. And hopefully the teachers or the practice referees <laughs> sort of stay out of the way. 
because that that is um frustrated me throughout. I'm not speaking for either one of you two guys. I'm just saying that has frustrated me throughout. They've either been too involved or not involved enough. Maybe they have, you know, speaking of a test, they've they've been watching this series. They go over film after games, allegedly. Maybe hit the sweet spot on this is a foul. This isn't a foul. This is a foul for both teams, and this isn't a foul for both teams. I think that could be something that maybe can make a difference, in my personal opinion, in a Game 7. Now the only thing that I hear in my head, and I'm not sure if I'm dating myself with you guys, is that voice that says, take your tape activity sheet and a pencil. Was that something when you guys took tests? Yes, it was when I took tests, yes. <laughs> All right. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, but I do I, know what it was like to like have people interrupt you when you're taking a test. and like Sometimes the proctor's a little too chatty. and like nah. Yeah, you had your blue book. I'm sorry that we had to do this whole analogy, man. No, this I didn't is good. Need to make it this aggressive. I, enjoyed it. I love it. <laughs> All right, guys, we will leave it at that. Thanks so much. Hopefully, we're doing it again at some point down the road as this run for the 76ers. They try to continue it on Sunday in a big game seven. And yes, of course, this is why we all listen to podcasts, right? The combination of basketball chatter, which you hopefully find useful and insightful, and also obscure analogies and references to arcane test taking practices. I know we're letting Lauren and Ty go, but on the way out the door, egregious on my part to not lead and facilitate the conversation to Seth Curry. We will give him our final shout-out of this episode of Fanatic About the Playoffs. Outstanding stuff from Seth Curry. 24 points, tied to bias for the team high in a pivotal winner-go-home. Game six, he has been off the charts and he's combined to hit 13 threes in his last two games. He's the first 76er ever to, in back-to-back playoff games, knock down at least six threes. Outstanding. He has been so immense to what the 76ers have been doing in the playoffs, especially trying to stay alive in advance here in the second round. All right, next episode of Fanatic About the Playoffs. There will at least be one more. We hope there are some after that. Is going to be after Game 7. So... Look for that on Monday. If you're celebrating Father's Day on Sunday, have a great one and settle in. He's back. And enjoy what we cross our fingers hope is a successful game that sends the Sixers in to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 2001. All righty. Enjoy the game. See ya. You've been listening to Fanatic About the Playoffs. From the 76ers Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings and 97.5 The Fanatic. Look for new episodes the day after every 76ers playoff game. And follow the 76ers Podcast Network by searching 76ers Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, real quick, yes, this is Father's Day weekend. Sunday is Game 7, Father's Day. If the father you admire and love and respect in your life is so inclined, why don't you drop him some ice-cold Corona Extra, Corona Light, or Corona Premier right on his doorstep? You don't even have to live in the same area. Even if you can't celebrate together, perhaps Corona can be your connection, again, as you are so inclined. With a refreshing smooth taste, this cerveza is ready to play ball. Enjoy the 76ers and live La Vida Mas Fina with an ice-cold Corona Extra Corona Light or Corona Premier stock up for game day and get Corona delivered today right to your door, stoop, whatever. OrderCorona.com. Go to OrderCorona.com. 
Corona is an official partner of the 76ers. You must be 21 or older, please. As we say all the time, enjoy responsibly. 